Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I'm Mary. And we are here today to discuss one of the it's it's spooky month. We we addressed that last week. And as such, we're going to continue covering the spookiest of the spookies in DD lore. And so you brought this to the table. You're like, I want to talk about this. Uh one, because like it's it's slowly going to be incorporated into your own campaign that you're playing, yeah. you know, yourself. Uh, and so you're like, I kind of need to do the research anyway. You know, it's super interesting and it fits it into the theme. And so, yeah, we're going to we're going to dig into it. What are we talking about this week, Mary? We're talking about my favorite horrible place. Um, favorite plane of existence. Uh, the IRS Finish... headquarters. Oh, God, no, it's not that evil. Come on. No. Oh, no. <laughs> like just fantasy, back. fantasy evil, fantasy not... evil, not IRL. We're Which escaping can, yeah. reality. <laughs> Right here. So we're doing. Uh, we are going to talk about the Shadowfell, the Plane of Shadow. Plane of Shadow. There are so many aliases. All like the evil things and creatures and people do right. Like next yeah. week, spoiler alert: we're talking Asmodeus. Like this dude has so many nicknames, and they are all dope AF. Like they are the <laughs> coolest nicknames. Well, Shadowfell's nicknames aren't as cool. They're just kind of redundant, actually. But still uh, cool. But still cool. Um, so let's just let's just jump jump into it. So in the um in the DMs guide, I wanted to call it Guild, and it's because it's really early, and I'm still only kind of awake. Well, DMG, DMG, the DMG. <laughs> so <clears throat> Riven stood in the uppermost room of the central tower of his citadel, a fortress of shadows and dark stone carved in relief into the sheer face of a jagged peak. The starless black vault of the plain sky hung over a landscape of gray and black, where lived the dark simulacra of actual things. Shadows and wraiths and specters and ghosts and other undead hung in the air around the citadel or prowled the foothills and plains near it. So numerous, their glowing eyes looked like a swarm of fireflies. He felt the darkness and everything he could see, felt it as an extension of himself, and the feeling made him too big by half. And that is an excerpt from The Godborn by Paul S. Hem. I believe The Godborn was a series, um, was part of a series that covered the Sundering, mm-hmm. which we will be discussing very shortly as well. Oh, good. That that also comes into play at some point for you know everything. Everything, yeah. I was gonna say like we're gonna everything. we're gonna cover it because it it's, it's important. Yeah, it's pretty like <laughs> widespread sort of cataclysmic type of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So the shadow fell. 
aka the Shadow Deep, aka Shadowland, the Plane of Shadow, and the Demi Plane of Shadow, or just Shadow. The Shadow, like so, shadow, like insert, like you know, <laughs> modifier here of Shadow. shadow. <laughs> yeah, Shadow. That's that's it. That's all you need to know. So the Great Wheel of in the earlier versions of the Great Wheel of Cosmology. It was a subplane or just a demiplane. Um, these are made up of protomatter that kind of floats around the ethereal plane. The largest one of these is called the shadow plane. It's made up of equal parts negative and positive energy and surrounded by a silvery curtain of mist. Now, we've, we talked about the mist when we were discussing some horrible creatures, sir. Yeah, in in regards to the uh, the Ravenloft setting, and or like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the demi planes of of dread, yes, Rovia, Darkon, right? These are those magic teleportation mists. In revised versions of it, Shadowfell is considered a parallel plane to the uh, prime material plane, existing similarly to like the flip the Fey Wild does. Um, it's a reflection of the material plane, but Unlike the beauty and all the flourishing life in the Fey Wild, it's the polar opposite. A desolate place, completely bleak, dismal, filled with death and decay. Sounds like Oklahoma. Uh, Just kidding. One of my best friends lives in Oklahoma. It's a lovely place. I'm visiting there next month. I'm visiting there next month, in fact. (laughs) And being being from Texas, I feel like... I. I, not only morally obligated, but legally obligated to make that statement, even if I it's, believe it or not. It's true. They take away your uh, your Texan card if you don't like, talk at least yeah. a little bit of shit about Oklahoma. At least once a week. like, And it's Saturday, so I needed to get it in. Right. Just get it in on the weekend and be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> so in the World Tree variation of cosmology, um, it exists, the Shadowfell exists with the prime material plane. They touch at all points and even have the same basic geography. Um, but the only access to it is through really, really shady areas or using the using the shadow walk spell or at night. Um, the way that I was able to kind of make it make sense to me is think of the upside down from Stranger Things. Make, yeah, okay. It's all that the makes... same thing, but there's the one side and then there's not. Like right. the darker sides be you know, parallel of it. Or Makes like, a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, like a reflection. Feel, I mean, as as much of as there is a connection to D&D in Stranger mm-hmm. Things with, you know, the, yep. the creators being fans of the game, mm-hmm. it's not hard to, you know, theorize that perhaps the Upside Down was inspired yeah. by Shadowfell. And the more I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Oh, definitely. Oh, it's fine. But I mean, that's what D&D is. We pull from everything and everywhere and then everything pulls from it. And there's not a not a lot of bitterness about it. <laughs> have you been on Twitter lately? I try to avoid it sometimes because I just don't have it in me. Like just have fun. Got, like, I, like, guys and gals and, and, and non-binary folks, let's just have fun. Mm-hmm. It's just that have... meme. Of that, it's just one of those little hand-drawn memes where someone's pinching the other guy's mouth shut to shh, let people enjoy things. Just just have fun. Enjoy it. Um, So these portals to the Shadowfell um, occur naturally. uh, The natural occurring ones are called vortices. 
they exist in areas of heavy darkness and shadow and are very unpredictable. They don't stay in the same spot for very long and they're not open for any specific amount of time. So you can't really tell where you're going to end up, where you're going to come back out of it or how long it's going to be there. It's just the best. It's such a sweet little place to go visit and vacation, you know. Like a, it's like if you can't get a home in the Poconos, like a summer home in the Poconos, like try try Shadowfell. Yeah, exactly. That should be. Uh, I should work for the tourism bureau for Shadowfell. Is there a Shadowfell tourism bureau? I could start it. I mean, you could start it. That's really, it's kind of like podcasting. You fill, you know, you find a need and you (laughs) fill that niche. Yeah. So. Yes, exactly. So people could use the Shadowfell to move rapidly from point to point, kind of like fast teleportation or fast traveling um, on the material plane. And it can be done by skirting the uh, edge of the Shadowfell. But (laughs) the more you do this, arriving exactly where you want to becomes less and less and less precise. So the further out you're trying to skip, the less likely you're going to end up where you were trying to. Um, Some travelers have even gone as far as to reach alien worlds like, excuse me, like Orth. Is it Orth? Orth, yeah. Orth? It's seal sounds. The the Greyhawk Earth? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Been able to reach that through traveling through uh, Shadowfell. So in the year 1385, DR, um, the year of the blue fire, there's going to be a lot of year titles in this, by the way. And I was excited because they are great. Yeah, they're all fantastic. They're all fantastic. Like, oh, I know what happened then. Um, Shar, the goddess of darkness and night, orchestrated the death of Mistra, the goddess of magic. And this caused the spell plague, which we talked about a little bit in the Thay episode. And Um, we will be covering in depth very soon yes 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 when this happened um the planes kind of collapsed into one another Um, char was able to manipulate some of the necrotic energy from the negative energy plane into the shadow plane this power combination began drawing in souls of the dead to this newly altered place so they now had to pass through shadow fell to get to the feud plane um, and be judged for their final time to see where they went after death. Um, She called this new creation the Shadowfell. Um, It was from the Shadowfell that all shadow magic and necrotic energies were pulled until the time of the second sundering. So that's where all the dark stuff went. Anybody that died, that's their limbo of sorts, I guess. So kind of know a little bit about what it is um, so okay so i i shadow walk into the shadow into sh- the domain of shadow the the mm-hmm. plane of shadow mm-hmm. the uh archipelago of shadow the peninsula of shadow what what am i going to expect what what should you i expect, expect when there? i get there well if you're looking for bright sunny beaches this is not the place for you mm, okay none Check. of that there's no sun, no moon, no stars decorating the inky depths of the sky above. Um, only an endless void of black and darkness up there. All of the colors from everything in the world are faded and muted shades. Everything's kind of black and gray and white. It's very dim, very dismal, 
and just not not real welcoming or warm there. Um, your light sources only illuminate half their normal distance while there. However, it can be seen at up to 10 times its normal range. So you only get half the light, but you can be seen 10 times further away. Oh, how Similar convenient for, for enemies yeah. or any of the horrible abominations that live there. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, kind of similar to way to the way like a star contrasts against the night sky that's what you can expect like somebody okay. however many miles off um even using like shadowy illumination like um, a lantern that burns shadow light oil or using the darkness spell can still be seen further away than normal but not as far it's only about five times as far as the normal distance there your flames and fires are going to put out less heat um, and spells invoking fire and heat are less predictable and have a tendency to fail. Okay, so using 5e rules, likely rolling at disadvantage every time you use one of those spells. Absolutely, absolutely. Or unless the DM's a little bit more twisted like me and just chooses without telling them that it oh, chooses which ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could do a, like a percentage sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Flip a coin. Did it work or not? 50-50. I love a 50-50 shot. It seems like there's higher stakes to me for some reason. Um, so gravity and time here, though, exists the same way in the Shadowfell as it does in the Prime Material Plane. Um, it has this wonderful ability to just kind of morph magically, changing its, like, the surface of it. Not necessarily where things are, but mountains rising and falling out of nowhere um, and shapes of general areas kind of changing a bit. Because of this, this landscape is kind of a twisted dark echo of the prime plane. When you initially enter the shadow plane, your surroundings are going to be quite similar because these portals kind of reflect where they are on the opposite, um, on the other plane. But the further out you travel, the less familiar the landscape becomes, and it diverges rapidly from the uh, from your starting point in different ways with each subsequent visit, which made it impossible to map out. So you, there's no sun, and you have no way of knowing where you are or how to get around there because you can't get a map. It's kind of just a risk all around. I love it. <laughs> As a DM, it's amazing. As a player, it's endlessly infuriating and also kind of fun I oh yeah like i mean the dark stuff i mean depends on your table though i guess for sure so landmarks there are typically recognizable but are somewhat different um they're altered in weird ways like maybe they're constructed in a slightly different way or made with different materials maybe they're in a like a different location even and or in any condition from its actual current condition, brand new built to these are ancient crumbled ruins and what the hell happened here. Um, these similar sites are called shadow analogs. Because it's constantly changing, there are frequent earthquakes as well in the shadow fell. So you got just, we're just adding more horrors in there to mess with people. There is so much. It is never boring. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, so we got this spooky place. It's like no light, like devoid mm -hmm. of life. Like, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. just think just decay and death. Mm -hmm. uh, and like already like, okay, spooky. And they're like, all right, now there's a bunch of like other like stuff on top of that. 
But then, also the land itself wants to kill you. So <laughs> the terrain wants, the terrain wants you to die. The terrain is out to get you. All of it's dangerous. So <laughs> because of this, it's it's kind of similar to like the earthquake spell, the way that these happen. So for people traveling um, on the ground as these shadow quakes happen, um, they could also disrupt if you're casting like shadow walk spell and or just happen to be traveling and just kind of you know dump you out somewhere else in the shadow fell in the middle of it changing it's just like no well you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and the new location it's likely likely not close to where they were headed in the first place so it just somewhere random in this wonderfully dark place some some places in the shadow plane seem to have stronger ties to ne to the negative energy plane um, and the undead things that you're going to find there that like to drain away life. These areas are sometimes referred to as dark lands as well. And they're extremely dangerous. Unprotected, unprotected visitors would have their life force sucked from them. From the second they enter, your life force just starts draining. Um, if you don't leave quickly enough, you would end up as nothing but a pile of ash. <clears throat> it just, until you're gone. Those are so many gestures happening. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those with protection against negative energy, however, would would be just fine. Luckily for travelers, none of the um, vortices, those permanent portals, um, opened up into these places, keeping folks safe from both suddenly appearing there and also from things from there, from, you know, the uh, dark lands coming through to the prime material plane, because that would also be problematic. Although that is, that would be a good adventure hook. One of those random. Somehow, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got like heavy, like uh, Elder Scrolls for Oblivion vibes, you know, the mm -hmm. portals opening up and all the. Um, all the awful. All the fiends, yeah, all the awful. Mm -hmm coming through uh yeah I, I love it um certain types of locations on the material plane often had these echoes in the in the dark land so there was like certain types of places that you could expect would send you there um haunted battlefields burial grounds or places that were um, used as necrotic foci so just places where they was a lot of that energy concentrated other types of echoes occurred um in areas parallel to cities and towns on the prime plane. Uh, but they were nothing more than like a mirage. Um, people would see familiar places and faces they recognized through these odd mirage mirror type things. Structures would appear to be destroyed or altered or just something else in their place entirely. And they reflected living things as well, though these living things that they could see the reflections of appeared like nightmarish but still recognizable so just kind of walking traveling and you come across a weird mirage and as you look at it you know that it's you but it's not you you're not quite right that's where you throw in those horror tropes the too wide smile or the too many joints on the fingers that send chills up your spine <laughs> oh, yeah. no thank it. you no thank you <laughs> I'm excited to use that against my players. Sorry, guys. Not sorry. Um, passing these things is going to be fantastic. Basic necessities are also available. 
here. You can, you know, you could live here. You totally could if you wanted to. Um, food, water, air, all those amenities are available in Shallow All those, all the, all, all the things, all the things you need. <laughs> yeah, food, so, air, and water. What else could we you know? I mean, human if, connection, if pa. Love, pusha. You say that now, but it's it's okay because as time passes while you're there, you lose the capacity to experience emotions anyway. So you won't care after. Oh, all. so, okay. So it That's takes fun. care of that for you. It takes care of that for you. Um, these, you know, these, these foods and stuff are, are, I'm sure they're fine. If you're into food that oozes dark blood from it, um, never being warm or air that smells absolutely horrid at all times. Like if you're cool with that, you know, go ahead. Um, visiting there, you couldn't ever actually feel warm. Like, it's just not a thing. You cannot get warm, which is one of my least favorite feelings in the world, by the way. I don't like feeling cold. Um, and you also would be feeling as though you're being constantly watched or people would see and hear things that weren't actually there. So hallucination, in addition to all the other wonderful things, like constant paranoia. Yeah, Ugh. constant paranoia. There is a there is a chart for it as well in the DMG that you can roll for. That kind of which of these horrible things do you have to deal with while you're there? Nice. It's lovely. Um, so it it's a constantly unsettling place that with time would change living things. Uh, some visitors would have certain traits, vulnerabilities, and their abilities augmented while there. Like just being there in the shadow affected you and could affect you permanently. And as time passed, that's when those emotions started fading away as well. Um, due to constant changes and shifts within the shadow fell, certain areas were known to have strange effects and phenomena just associated with them. Um, there is one that uh, I'm talking, I'll talk a little bit more about the place later, the Black Rift, that kind of has this weird, there's constantly water flowing into it, but it never drains and it never seems to get more full. And it's just a random weird, weird situation there. It's uh, in one of the, in the swamp. Materials of the shadow fell are often called shadow stuff and can be utilized by illusionists to form semi-real monsters and some convincing enough evocations that even if the target didn't believe that it was a real thing, like they knew it was an illusion, it could still have, it could still be effective and still have an effect on the person. Even if they know it's not real, they're good enough to make it just horrible enough to be believable. Um, they could, the illusionists could also use uh, Shadow Well to turn anyone's shadow into a temporary gateway into the Shadow Fell. Um, if this is successful, the target is pulled temporarily into a pocket realm and tormented by dark phantoms of the plane. Which, why wouldn't you want to be, you know? Um, didn't cause any physical harm, but it definitely had an effect on me, you know, on the mind and usually caused fear related responses unsuccessful attempts to build gates into the shadow fell resulted in failed shadow gates uh, when a being stepped through one of these they were transported momentarily to the plane of shadows and while there a seed of shadow 
is implanted and takes root in them could possibly cause their flesh to be transmuted by it and they would dissolve into darkness dissipating in a dark mist and leaving only a skeleton unless you're lucky enough to survive in which case you gain the powers of one of the dark creatures from there if you're lucky to survive then... yeah if you're lucky enough to survive you just get a little <laughs> evil that's it just a touch you know so kind of got a broad idea of how things are there um we talk about the kind of things that live there Shadowfell is home to strange and corporeal undead things called shadow. There were other types of creatures there other than just those, which all of these are going to have that key word in there as well. Shadow dragons, shadow mastiffs, and then there's a race of humanoids called the Shades. Uh, numerous inhabitants there, including communities of the Shadowbar, Shadarkai, and Dark Ones, which are, I had to go look those up because I've only, I've spent a lot of time in 5e. And it showed them up through 40. Um, it's a small humanoid race often found in the Underdark. Which to me sounded like the start of where like the Sverf Neblin came from. But that's just a me hypothesizing. Uh, most dominant race of beings on the Plane of Shadows are the Shades. These are the ancestors to the Netherese, which are an ancient human, an ancient race of humans that resided there in their floating city and acquired abilities from being immersed in shadow essence for so long. Uh, so like well, you say, you gain a little bit of evil. You just get a little evil after you're there for a while. Yeah, you just got to adapt or become a skeleton. <laughs> I mean, it seems pretty simple to me. Malagrams had an advantage on the shades. This is another race of things there. They had some advantages over them um, as they had shape-shifting abilities and were nearly immortal unless they were actually killed by something. So they could live forever. Object in motion stays in motion, I guess. Yeah. Thing that's alive stays alive until it's killed. However, they had small numbers. They struggled to master interplanar travel and were fiercely independent, which made them less effective um, than the shades are. Shadow demons were there. They were, uh, find them there, uh, responsible for creating the crimps by inbreeding, interbreeding, excuse me. <laughs> Good lord. By interbreeding with the netherese. Uh, Shadowvar also bred these. So these things I thought were horrifying and I absolutely love them. Um, of course. They bred shadow it, as, as per your brand. Horrible things. <laughs> Yeah, so the Shadowbar bred shadow sea serpents that, though they weren't native to this plane, they existed and thrived there. Um, they did this by crossing orcas, like killer whales, with shadow creatures and created these serpents that hunted in packs in the oceans as well as on land. Like, you can't get away. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> You're welcome. My mental image, as soon as it called it serpents, made it so much worse to me for some reason. Yeah. Kind of slithery whale snakes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> awful. Just absolutely awful. <laughs> Other things you can expect to find there are typical creatures that you that are drawn to the shadow plane or happen to exist there naturally. Things like specters, dark weavers, 
uh, bodax, clovers, uh, liches, nightshades, wraiths, and several other ephemeras. Sometimes the occasional beast that you would find on the material plane would wander into the plane of shadow, become trapped, and that evil shadow seed would take root and they would gain darker abilities and carve out a place for themselves in that ecosystem. Uh, examples of that, some that were mentioned were owlbears, basilisks, rats, bears, apes, wolves, etc. And these things could then bring forth shadowy, shadowy counterparts to those natural things. All right. That's that's awful. That's all of that <laughs> sounds completely and utterly terrifying and, and awful and and just vile and, and, and delightful. And I want to talk <laughs> more about it. But right now we're <laughs> going to take a quick break go to the middle of the show, do all the midly things that we do in the middle of the show. And yeah, we'll be back right after that to discuss more awful, terrible, delightful Shadowfell business. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the middle of the show where we do all sorts of fun stuff. We thank our patrons we take a look at recent Dungeons & Dragons news and happenings. Uh, we also head to the other DMG, the DMs Guild, to see what kind of homebrew goodness we can get into. And starting this week, we're going to try something new. We're going to sort of mix it up for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to actually talk about our magic item of the week during the middle of the show as opposed to the end. So first and foremost, let's thank our patrons. Uh we want to thank all of them. We want to thank folks like uh, the dog, Indy, uh, mm-hmm. Coffee Bean, Daniel P., Remington Cloutier, uh, Peter M., uh, who just upped his uh, his uh, subscription or his, his support for us. Uh, thank you so much for helping the show in a financial way. Uh, you know, all of those funds go back into making the show bigger and better. Uh, we mm-hmm. use the funds mm-hmm. to commission art for merchandise. In fact, I, I posted a sneak preview of the one of the first bits of merchandise that we've got for our spring line for our spring spring loin, our spring, our line, spring line, our spring drop. Uh, and so the goal is to have sort of perennial merch, like designs that are always available, mm-hmm. uh, you know, c- cool stuff. Um, and then in the spring and in the fall, have like sort of like you know um, seasonal exclusive designs and they like i said the first one that we have um that we have in line is so good so amazing i am so glad that we had been talking about designing something similar to it and i came across an artist in um one of the horror communities i frequent and moderate and her work is just amazing it was just like spot on. I was like, Sergio, I found the artist. No, yeah. I got one. And <laughs> it's this one. This is the one. So happy with how it turned out. And we're so excited to to put it Wear out, it. put it out there. Yeah. And so and then also, you know, um, finally getting the magic item of the week uh, PDF to put on the DMG. Like we want that to be like a full on release. Like we don't want to half ass anything. We want to, even if it takes a long time, we want it to be something that we be proud to put the D D lore cast name on absolutely it needs to be it needs to be just right for you guys 
So again, thank you to all the folks, the fair, the fair folk of the Patreon. Uh, okay. And if you are interested in joining and supporting the show in that way, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. And then of course, if you want to support the show in other ways, you can go to Spotify, you can go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. You can interact with us on social media, whether it be Twitter through our official Twitter handle at yep. DD Lorecast, uh, the Robots Radio Network Discord, where it's we're amazing place. Always, we're always on there, like constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I love the fact, like one of actually, like you know, our our very close uh, friend and, and patron Tex was like, he posts like, "Hey, what's up? You know, how long how long do Griffins live? Like, uh, I need to know that." And I was like, "I'm on it," and found the answer for him. And like, yeah, that's... I was I was searching for it when the notification popped up that you had posted. I was like, "Ah, oh, you beat me." And so I mean, that's it. and so like that sort of thing is exactly like you know. Uh, what the you know one of the reasons why that Discord exists, and so like you have a question about D and D, like shoot it to the community, yes. and someone will help you out. Yep. Or if we don't know, we'll help figure it out. Or suggesting like you know character ideas, like hey, I've got this character that I want to do this with, you know, how would you some... build it? Right. And so uh, and then shooting us an email, D and D Lorecast at mm-hmm. gmail dot com. Uh, all different ways that you can support the show for sure. And as far as news goes, we got a couple of big, not big, but like kind of big. Depends on how how you look. It depends on how you look at it. Uh, Perspective is everything. Depends on your height. <laughs> right. So um, Joe Magliano of uh, being a super hunk uh, mm-hmm. fame and being married to Sofia Vergara mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and washboard abs in Magic Mike and also big D D nerd yes he's actually uh he's he's been memefied there's a wrestler named mjf who like took a selfie in the gym mirror like all buff you know he's a he's a professional wrestler he's, he's a buff guy right right and the caption was like i don't play D and then uh post and then joe posting I've a cover this. of like one of his like fitness magazines where he's like mm-hmm. just shredded and he's like i do so joe joey m of that fame uh, he is going to co-direct a new Dungeons and Dragons documentary that's Ooh. set to come out uh, in line with its, you know, the 50th anniversary in 2024. And that's awesome. this is like an official documentary, like, you know, uh, backed by Hasbro. And so obviously we're going to get like hot nerd summer. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, we're going to get a, like a very like, uh, like Hasbro, like D and D friendly, perspective like there's going to be a lot of cool information for sure but mm-hmm. you know like with anything like if you know if you if you have a company like telling its own story more likely they're sort of going to like gloss over like you know some of some, the... of, some of the bad parts or some of the, like you know the you know worst parts right yeah and so uh or at least skew history sort of in its favor that's you know that's to be expected um and so like no doubt that this will be sim- yes yeah, so there, there are biases no doubt there's, this is going to be somewhat similar i'm sure it's still going to be very entertaining albeit mm-hmm. you know maybe a bit inaccurate but what i love about this information too but about this announcement is that you know someone's going to be like oh they're not going to tell the real story so i will and so like whenever you get a big documentary like this like telling the history of something you always get like the counter documentary uh-huh. like the unauthorized retelling and yep. so, and because of this announcement, like something, a project like that will be more likely to like 
exist, you know, become like you can produce, get funded. Yeah. And, and like I said, that's just more D and D content. Like, so I'm, I want to know all sides of it. So, right. So, you know, so like I said, like this announcement in and of itself allows for kind of allows for the entire story to be told because we'll get like one version here and then we'll get another version and then kind of like between the two we'll sort of be able to you suss out figure out what's right what's real and what was bias related absolutely so yeah very excited about that and then just plus like you know being able to watch a, a D documentary is going to be a lot of fun uh, and then the second bit of news from this past week. So two bits of news. Two bits of news. We've got two. It's so generous. Um, so the company that produced the Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance video game from last year, which you know it was it was fun. You know it wasn't great. It was you wasn't know it really buggy. It was very buggy. It was uh, okay. Yeah, I remember watching streams of it. I think. But if you like, but like the core of it, as far as like you know, being able to like play like a D and D type game with your friends, you know, the online mm-hmm. co op is really where it shines. Like I played it, you know, I actually played it streaming with Crit, and it was a lot of fun. I played it with myself. I played played it by, with myself. Uh, I played it solo, and I'm like, uh, not as fun. Like it really it's shines. Yeah, it really yeah. shines when you're playing with your buddies, and you're able to sort of like pretend it's kind of like a D campaign mm-hmm. um but that that company has um kind of bulked itself up as as term in terms of um like uh folks that are working for it they've mm-hmm. got some former ubisoft uh or ubisoft ubisoft employees. i do that every <laughs> single time too and they've announced a new game that's being developed with the unreal 5 engine Ooh. and there's no information about like what kind of game it's going to be in terms of mm-hmm. mechanics but it will be quote a triple a game derived from the D universe Ooh. so does that mean like an open world sort of you know game a la like grand theft auto or the witcher or cyberpunk you know, that is it amazing? Is it a more like you know, like linear type game? Like triple A means like top of the line. Like those yeah. are like the big like releases. Like those are the ones that you know, like folks wait for. You're um, waiting for for years and teaser trailers coming out. Right, and so fantastic stuff. Yes, and so that amazing. That's been announced, and so uh, in addition to that announcement. They also announced that Baldur's Gate 3 is confirmed Ooh. for a full launch next year. It's been in early access, I think, since like 2020. And I'm not, I think maybe. Well, I, I didn't want I didn't want to mess with it because like you know, early access means like you're essentially playtesting it. Yeah. And you know, I didn't want to play test uh, I'll play test a TTRPG all day long. I don't yeah, want to play test I'm a not... play test a video game because I was like you know, I, I just want to, I want to play the complete product. I want yeah. to. And I'm one so, of those two. I'll wait on so, some of them. There's been a couple that I've been like, yeah, I'll play test that. Let's go. But wait no more because it's coming. It's a full launch in 2023. So that, that, that should be very exciting. I remember watching the initial uh, teaser for it. Yeah. And just like, <gasps> mind flares, freaking out for sure. Uh, did they mention like what time period? Like seasonally? it did not mention, it did not they mention that. They didn't say a time no. frame. Oh, okay. Just next so, year but yeah, so I mean, it would in 2023, like it, I think it launched early access in October of 2020, like fall 2020. Okay. So, I mean, we're looking at like two to three years of like early mm-hmm. access. So, it should be a freaking perfect game by the time That's it what I'm comes saying, out. If they've had that long to, yeah, they've had that long to look at it and work on it, then hopefully it'll be 
top notch. And top of course, uh, and of course, take uh, or check out D and D Beyond for like mm-hmm. different articles. They've actually just posted a few articles about artificers, you know, like how you know how to build them, the best magic items, sort of stuff like that. So if you're interested in that class, definitely check out the D and D Beyond website because it'll give you a it'll give you a few pointers for sure. It's just there. I would say that that's a, they've got a lot of really great resources on class information and build information and stuff there that is just absolutely fantastic. And of course, the DMs Guild, the the other DMG. Right. Since we are talking about the Shadowfell, Mm -hmm. uh, there's one piece of work by Mark Altfuldish, David Moore, and Hitton Dave. It's a bit pricier than what we normally recommend. Usually like mm-hmm. the stuff we recommend is, you know, more or less about 10 bucks or less. Mm-hmm. This one's going to cost you, the PDF's going to cost you $24.99. And there are also, uh, there's also physical copies, both soft cover and hardcover mm-hmm. editions of this. Uh, but it is well worth it. It's got a five-star rating based mm-hmm. on almost a hundred reviews. Oh, it is over 300 pages from the that folks. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a chunk. Yeah. It's a chunk of a tome. The folks at Quill and uh, Cauldron present mm-hmm. all Ron's guide to the plains, the shadow fell. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, in world introductions to various locales mm-hmm. by the character, all Ron designed to inspire and create story hooks. Uh, details on three prominent Shadowfell locations, mm-hmm. uh, Gloomrot, Evernot, Dolthanthar, Thol- uh, five domains of dread, including uh, that are uh, with each with a tragic sto- uh, story tied to a specific Dark Lord. Um, it's got uh, the Fugue Plane, an introduction to the nature mm-hmm. of death, judgment, and the afterlife in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, deities and other powers, they explore five deities and give you nifty uh, tips for role-playing them, uh, stat mm. blocks, awe-inspiring. Is it on our wish list? Oh, yeah, absolutely is. Okay. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, character options, four new playable races, 15 mm-hmm. new subclasses, and then, of course, a bestiary with 140 new stat blocks for monsters and NPCs native to the Shadowfell, to the oh, Fugue Plane, uh, or the Domain of Dread. It's, I mean, it, like I said, it's, it's Chunky incredible. Boy. It is an incredible piece of work. Well worth the price. Well worth, you know, well earned five star reviews. This oh, thing man. is absolutely incredible. If you are interested in the Shadowfell mm-hmm. at all, this is a must buy. Okay. I, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's my, it's my favorite. I just love the horror stuff. The spooky stuff. I love it spooky. And finally, how about that magic item of the week, Mary? What do you got for us? I went searching for something creepy and spooky and shadowy to go with our theme for the week. As All right. Usual. Fair enough. So if you've ever wanted to steal somebody's shadow, like always Peter Pan stuff. Yeah, right. And <laughs> use it against them, right? Why, why else would I be stealing it? Right. I have unless to use it item. against the person I'm stealing exactly. it from. I have the perfect item for you. That's a it. wondrous item. And it requires attunement, but it has to be by a fae or a spellcaster, unless as the DM you rule that anybody can use it, which is probably what I would do. The scissors of shadow snipping. So with these iron shears, you can use one action 
and cause the shadow of a humanoid creature you can see within five feet of you to detach from its source. Just gonna cut it loose. Just, just you're free. Yeah, you're free. Except they're not free. Oh, except if the creature is no. unwilling to give up its shadow, it does have to make a charisma save. Uh, Fifteen is the DC on that one. Retaining its shadow if they succeed. Um, whether or not the shadow is snipped, you can't reuse the scissors again until the dawn of the next day. So once per day, you can cut somebody's shadow off. So if you're successful, <laughs> this detached shadow is rooted to the spot where it was snipped until you use a bonus action to cause it to behave in one of a couple ways. Um, either one is possible, but only if you can see it. So you can control its movements. It can make it you know, move up to 30 feet across a solid or liquid surface. Oh, so shadows can walk on water, apparently. Walk across ponds or whatnot. Or lava, I guess. That's technically a that's technically a liquid, right? Any direction you you choose, including along vertical sur surfaces there. Um, so provided you can see it the entire time. Um, it's harmless and unable to be harmed, and it is invisible in darkness. Doesn't speak, doesn't require air, sleep, or nourishment. Which this just sounds like taking it and moving it. No, I'm going to take your shadow and put it over there now. So now you don't have one. <laughs> shadow timeout, right? Shadow timeout. <laughs> or you can relinquish control of it at which point it becomes autonomous the dm gets to choose what it does um, it uses the shadow stat block from the monster manual um, but instead of being undead the creature type is a fey um, creature whose strength is reduced to zero by the shadow's strength drain attack doesn't die but they just fall unconscious instead and they regain consciousness and all its strength after finishing short or long rest so, just kind of okay, so, <laughs> like we we talked about how like the person who is doing the snipping benefits and what they can mm -hmm. do, but what about the person who gets snipped? Oh, yeah. If your shadow gets detached um, from it, um, you know the creature is then cursed. So up next, because so so far I'm like, okay, so I lost my shadow. NBD, whatever. Whatever. It just sounds kind wrong. of annoying. Wrong. Wrong. If a shadowless creature is subjected to any spell that ends a curse, or if its detached shadow is reduced to zero hit points, the shadow disappears and the creature regains its normal shadow instantly. So once somebody knocks it out, it magically goes back to the to the original owner, I guess. <laughs> owner, um, creator. But until then, that but until owner, then, creator is, yeah, is suffering from the cursed effect. That's and that is from the Wild Beyond the Witchlight uh, adventure. Yes. So if you are more if you're interested in and and stuff like you know if you're interested in like spooky stuff like sort of like stuff that's got like you know slightly more macabre, definitely check out Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Oh, I love it so and much. And then obviously Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Both of those are two of my top favorite source books. <laughs> Imagine that. I know. All the scary, creepy carnival stuff. I'm in. Minus the clowns. Minus those the can, clowns. Those can stay in Spelljammer. They can stay in space. <laughs> I don't want them here. <laughs> Leave Earth entirely. Yeet. Yeet yourself into space. <laughs> Nefarious clowns. Exactly. That is your magic item this week. Well, that being said... 
let's go ahead and continue talking about more horror stuff, more spooky stuff, and wrap up the middle of the show. Absolutely. We have returned, so Mary, let's continue. Let's just jump right back into let's it. Just, let's just go. Um, so anytime there's a place, there's going to be rumors and legends associated with it, and that's no different with the shadow plane. So I mean, how did it... It's, it's everywhere. It's just everywhere. How did it come into being? There's a couple different theories um, on this. Uh, one saying that the... Um, the Underdark is bottomless and it eventually fades into the shadow plane. Like you just keep going further and further into the Underdark, eventually you'll get there. Because they just kind of bleed to each other. Um, the only thing supporting this theory though is the is that there are some permanent portals in the Underdark. They become more and more frequent the further down you travel. Which lends credit to that. Um, some believe that it was just a spontaneous formation. Uh, of the ethereal plane and many adventurous planeswalkers and cosmologists uh, talk about the legend of the shining citadel uh, this i found this really interesting too and i'll tell you why in a minute the legend claimed that the plane of shadow was not always dark and dismal that it was once a thriving place bright beautiful like the material plane sometime long 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 ago a group that worshipped the plane's creator took all of the color, the light, and most of the life force from the rest of the plane and concentrated it into a mighty citadel, though no one has ever found the shining citadel and spoken about it. There is a legend, though, that those who venture far enough into the plains of shadow and never return have actually made it to it. Now, I found this interesting because as I was reading it, it made me think of the Radiant Citadel and made me wonder. Is Interesting. That, is that the Citadel? I haven't, didn't delve any further into it. So if uh, anybody knows or wants to maybe talk about it, we totally could. Um, but I thought that was an interesting little tie there. Um, so the various realms within um, the Shadow Plane, realms of different gods and goddesses. There's only three deities uh that claim known deities that claimed um, the shadow plane is their home one being null the draconic god of death he had realms called the mausoleum of pain and the mausoleum of chronepsis these were thought to exist at the same time and i found that neat because null is the draconic god of both death and undeath as he himself is a duality so then he has a duality of realms there he is the reaver, worshipped by evil dragons, and, you know, those that took lives and served him in this way were blessed by him. And the other aspect of his nature is the guardian of the lost, who ferried the souls to the dead uh, of dead dragons to Dragon Eri, and ensured their protection and freedom from the uh, enemies and things that bothered them while they were alive. The second uh, deity is Mask, the master of all thieves and sh uh, lord of shadows. His realm, called Shadowkeep, um, is made of shadow stuff and is nearly impossible to see even when you're close to it. The nice. third, is, yeah, that's what I was like. You walk and ride up in his front yard and not <laughs> even know 
because everything's dark and gloomy. Not even know it. Exactly. The third is Shar, the mistress of the night and the lady of loss. Um, this is the one who caused it to exist. So I would hope she'd keep a realm there. Like, this is your fault anyway. Like, yeah, this you is better because stay of, here and lady, deal with this it. this is because of you. <laughs> Before the spell plague, she resided in a tower that had no visible way in or out, but her followers were somehow able to gain uh, entry into it easily. It's this place called the Palace of the Wasp. Um, she would, at times, keep prisoners there so that she could also enjoy, you know, enjoy their misery and torture and whatnot, because I guess she likes the sound of screams for ambiance or something. Um, she moved... Um, Let's see here. So she moved from there to the Towers of Night um, after the spell plague, leaving behind only a darkness-filled hole, like a large crater chasm in the ground, um, guarded by evil creatures. Uh, this was then called the Foundation of Loss after you know she had moved. It radiated grief and agony, and it was said to contain a portal to her new place, the Towers of Night. Um, so within Shadowfell, some of the notable locations are a place called Evernight, which is a dark reflection of the city of Neverwinter. So there's, Ooh, interesting. Yes, there's there's several of these that are pretty interesting, and I'm really curious about the one the thing you talked about from the DM skill. I would like to see what else is brought up in there that isn't that I didn't come across when I was reading. Um, so Gloomrot is another place. It is the twin to, oh goodness, Fultanthar, um, the Shade Enclave. Mulsantir, uh, one of the places that travel between the plains is possible at certain times of the day. So there are certain days you can go visit. Um, on the prime plane in this location is a shrine to Kelimvor, who is the... Uh, deity that is that rules over the uh plane of fugue or the fugue plane um on in its place on the shadow plane is the temple to the god of death merkel another location uh was the shadow swamp which is the Shadowfell version of the vast swamp between sambia and cormir uh, environment itself is very similar in many ways you know thick dark slow moving water Swampy. Swampy. Kind of swampy, <laughs> like Louisiana. Swampy. Like swampy. Um, but landscape's a little bit different. There seems to be more water in the actual vast swamp, so on the prime plane. Um, where the Lost Refuge stands on the material plane, the Echo is uh, in the Shadow Citadel, which is even more ruined than its counter counterpart. Um, these two locations are linked by a portal called the Dusk Lord's Passage. Um, things are that are different between the two. Um, there's an empty canyon in the Shadow Plane called the Black Rift. Um, where this is on the Prime Plane, there is a, I believe it's a lake, is what they said. So just a, yeah, just like a traditional lake bed or whatever. So this black rift is that weird thing that I was talking about earlier where the water swamp flow swamp water is flowing into it from all sides. And even though like the water level never changes, it doesn't ever drain or anything like that. It just 
continues to have like this continue this flow of water flowing into this it inflow it. but <laughs> no no semen yeah, drainage just, it's just weirdly yeah and yet so it doesn't kinda... like get higher or lower mm-hmm. so within the black rift though the uh changes in the terrain are often very sudden very extreme and very strange um even though it kind of remains the same basic shape the land itself is prone to sudden and violent changes um, it's very very pliable interplay between the shadow weave and the weave um, and this was very appealing and kind of drew in a lot of the followers of Shar. Um, so there are so many others <laughs> um, Shalsen is another located beneath the surface of northern Faerun about 20 miles below ground in what was originally a drow city below the northernmost peak of the Ralvin Mountains. Um, it was captured by shadow dragons in the year negative 221DR, the year of shambling shadows, as it was known. Um, the fallen city was under the rule of shadow dragons for centuries and was slowly absorbed into the plane of shadow until they were overthrown in the year of dark spawn in 634dr so what eight eight hundred years later about eight hundred years later yeah Roughly. ruled by shadow dragons for eight hundred years sounds delightful <laughs> um in the year 734 the year of the splendid stag uh shadow creatures are still walking the streets and you know in and out of buildings as they please, as the uh, fringe bits of the shadow fill are still kind of ebbing and flowing through the area. The town was reestablished by the house uh, Jezred as a home base for shadow dragon-blooded drow assassins, which I don't know if I could say that 10 times fast. Because... Shadow dragon-blooded drow assassins. Mm-hmm. What are you? Oh, gosh. Here we go. How much time you got? How much time? pretty much <laughs> um in the year of 1365 which was the year of shadowkin return oddly enough sounds like a movie title year of shadowkin return like shadowkin 2 year of the shadowkin return ba, ba, ba. there you and go just like the voice yeah and then the last location i thought was pretty neat and would be a lovely kind of a waypoint i think in a campaign um so Svar Upra is in East Beirut between the surface nations of Morkom and Mulharand. Uh, far below the surface of the city, uh, Svar Upra was established. Five gloaming families. Uh, gloamings are creatures that are of both planes. So they are some shadow and some of, some of it from the material plane combined. Um, they were seeking out a place for community and a place to be secure and safe. Um, so they expanded this city, like they lived here. They began expanding it um, by creating portals between the planes in the year of the Spitting Viper, which I don't, that dude whose name in the years, like Man, we keep talking about he him. He takes like no things. L's. Like he's he just like banger after banger after yep. banger. <laughs> year of the Spitting Viper. Oh goodness, I know what happened then. And this um, is 534. And granted, this like, is that, 534. like, they're like years, like, you know, like we're, we talked about like negative. And at, at but at this point, point, you know, like even at 534, like mm -hmm. he's had at least close, I'd say close to a thousand years to name. And mm -hmm. they're like coming into 534, they're like, he's got to like, he's got to slip up at some point. 
He's like, all right, no. what's five? What's five thirty-four? And he's like, I got yes. something for you. You're Check the spitting it. viper. It's about to drop. Like, oh, so do you think they had like rap yes. battles? Vipers rap battling? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Named it after a Yuanti rap battle. <laughs> They're like, dang! Like, I got an oh. idea. Yeah, like, he, yeah, he just like travels the realms and like gets inspired by what he sees. By what he sees, and yeah, he saw a Yuanti rap battle, and he's like, man, that viper be spitting. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I need art work done. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, this place became a major, like a trading post between the two planes. So it's actually a known people come through from both sides. And I thought that was, you know, that might be helpful. Um, so in the Shadowfell, there are these dark little places, these little pockets where things are especially dark and horrible. They're filled with dread might call them domains of dread interesting i don't know if you've heard of these uh i've dabbled Definitely you've dabbled. dabbled in the domains of dread I, have. I could wear that on a shirt i dabble in domains of dread um so in the far corners of the shadowfell dark powers created these demi planes um and they serve as prisons to both uh to both trap the extremely evil creatures there and to serve as sustenance for these dark powers one of these you might have heard of it a little place called barovia little like, place that just a little valley place called barovia ruled by our favorite vampire my favorite vampire for sure um strad von Zarovich. Um, dracula who... dracula could never bro dracula <laughs> we are team strad 100 percent. i don't know although the leslie nielsen dracula dead and loving inversion might be it's look, it's close. It's I'm up just there. Saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's as close as it's ever going to get. It's a close race. Um, so he's both prisoner and lord of this domain. So that's his wonderful curse. Um, there are rumors of paths into Barovia near uh, Daggerford and the areas surrounding there, due to the heavy Vistani presence and reports of werewolf attacks near the Misty Forest. You know, just a couple little things. Um, uh, the shade. Nope. That's not the right word, Sage of Shadowdale. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. Also true. <laughs> to be fair, it's not like you haven't said that word or shadow Shade a bajillion shadow? times this episode. Oh, I wanna I wanna count. I want somebody to count how many times I had to say the word shadow for this episode. This, yeah, we need a it's shadow gonna counter. Be significant. I need a shadow counter. I need to get a little <laughs> clicker for it. Um, the sage of Shadowdale, Elminster, uh, was aware of Strahd and his domain and had even journeyed to and from there pretty much freely. Um, he sent Valothamp Gadarm into Barovia to explore, even though Volo was not made aware of how dangerous it was before Sage sent him in there to go look around. He's like, yeah, just go, go take a peek. It's fine. It's fine. It's not fine. Guys, I don't know if you picked up on that, but it's <laughs> this definitely is not, fine. not fine. This is the opposite of fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we'll finish out with some of the historical interactions but you know with the shadow fell kind of chronologically to give you kind of a timeline here um so the earliest known interaction with with shadow plane goes all the way back to the uh, imaskari empire in negative 3500 dr so we're like around 15 like the late 1500s right now 1500s so So almost almost yeah 
Yeah. It's impressive. It's a while ago. Fantastic. No, 50, 35 and 50. I don't know. It's a long time. I was going to say like, don't early. uh, I started, I started to do it. I started to like, you know, make the statement. And then in my mind, I'm like, you're, you're, you're will, you're starting to do math. What are you doing? Stop, stop. There's like a, like a siren in my brain. It is Saturday morning. We are not doing math. Uh, 5,000 years. 5,000 years. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, when arch wizard (laughs) Madriok, the even flame was researching Shadowfell and conspiring to harness and use the dark powers of the plane to overthrow Lord Artificer Amanond. Um, although he was unsuccessful and his plans were foiled by an attempt, uh, foiled by an adept named Helanther. Now I need you to know that when I was reading this, my brain kept going, do, 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 Lord Amanond, do, 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 Lord Amanond, do, 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 the rest of the night that was in my head. And now I give you this gift. I'm sorry. (laughs) Now that little earworm can crawl mm-hmm. inside your brain. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so all of knowledge of Shadow Plane's existence seemed to have been lost with the fall of that empire, of the Emaskari Empire, um, because it wasn't until the Netherese rediscovered it and began studying it 3,000 years later in negative 533 CR, the year of plentiful wine. I love it. What happened that you were, I mean, there was, I don't remember, there was a lot of wine. There's a lot of wine. (laughs) Got it. I know what I'll call it. Um, When the Black Horde attacked Faerun in 1235 DR, the Horde vanquished Eldrith the Betrayer. Uh, She was killed and then reborn from hatred. Like, no, I'm not dead. I'm too evil to be dead, apparently, too angry and hateful. when this happened, the Onyx Tower was created and tied to her life um, on the material plane. And on the shadow plane, the Onyx Heart was created and only its destruction could bring about the destruction of the Onyx Tower. So you have to go to one place to kill the thing in both places. Right. right. Sounds fantastic. In 1372 DR, Year of Wild Magic, an adventuring party was exploring the ruins of um, Undrentide. Unless I typed that wrong, and it's supposed to say under. <laughs> so sorry. You could correct me if you'd like. Um, I'm cool with that. While the travelers slipped through a portal into the twisted, darkened echoes of an Arcanist tower on the Shadowfell, they were beset upon by shades. Later, um, they were able to return to the plane of shadow using a magic mirror, mirror and narrowly escaped the shades. Even though souls of the dead were not drawn to the shadow plane prior to Shar transforming it to shadow fell following spell plague, they were able to be trapped there, um, which is very important to note because this exact thing uh, happened to Gareth Dragonsbane, king of Damara, in the year 17, nope, in the year 1373. See, it's too early for numbers, DR. It's too early for numbers. This year sounds terrifying, by the way. The year of rogue dragons. Worst worst kind of dragon is a rogue the dragon. Worst, I mean, what is a rogue dragon though? Like, what is that? I don't 
I don't want to know what that entails, actually. That sounds horrifying. Um, so he's trapped there by a group of wizards that had allied themselves with the Lich Sandmaster. Uh, the following year, a phalanx of paladins led by the smoke drake Brimstone went there and rescued his soul. In the year of lightning storms, 1374 DR, a group of cultists plotted to tear heart the weave from the Black Rift. Adventurers uh, followed these Sharon and Syracist cultists uh, back to their base in the Shadow Swamp, which we talked about earlier, and thwarted their attempts. During this, they found the Black Chronology, aka the Shadow Roll, which is not haunted or cursed sushi, by the way. It's a prophecy by the lost sage Agatha, Agathra, excuse me, Agathra the Mad, which is a great name. Who are you? She's the Mad. You don't want to go there. Don't want to go among mad people. Um, later that year, the city of Ordulin was obliterated when a rift opened in the skies over Symbia, an attractive shadowy land, just, you know, fell through and fell upon it, completely demolishing it. 1376 DR, a party of eight heroes traveled into the Plain of Shadows and defeated Mordok Le Senmer, a guardian of the plain, and destroyed Vionic's heart. So that's taken care of. You don't have to worry about it now. And finally, in 1385 DR, Shar successfully bound the energies of the negative plane to the shadow plane and created the shadow fell, which existed there until the second sundering when it was no longer. After the second sundering, it's no longer a waypoint for dead souls traveling to their final destinations. However, the name shadow fell stuck with it. It's a good name. It's a great it's name. A solid name. It really, really, really is. Well, that that's a lot of info about it's Shadowfell. So much it's info. that is and, the condensed version, right? Yeah, and there's like so much more that mm -hmm. we obviously couldn't fit into an hour long podcast. So if you definitely want more information, mm -hmm. you know, hit us up, hit us up uh, on Twitter, hit us up on the Robots Radio Discord, hit us up mm -hmm. an email, and trust us, like you, like we are always down to talk D and D. Like not an issue there. Like to you, the you point, are not twisting our arms. I, yeah, I will talk D and D until people roll their eyes when I say the letters. Like okay, that's that's quite enough. Yeah, like okay, oh like I do this nonstop. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you once again for allowing us, uh, for giving allowing us into your life for this uh, amount of time. We hope that you enjoyed it. We hope that we. Uh, are allowed to do so again next week yes. when we talk Asmodeus and continue the spooky season theme. Mm -hmm. um, but until then, thank you thank once you again so for much. listening. My name is Sergio. And I'm Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at dndlorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.